0: Welcome to Rebirth of Venus, the podcast where I talk dirty about spiritual evolution, the self-love revolution, and how to embody the archetype of Venus, original bad bitch, every damn day. My name is Caitlin Mctanley, and I want to thank you so deeply for being here. Hello, everybody. I hope you're having a beautiful day, a beautiful week, day, hour, lifetime. (laughs) Thank you, as always, for joining me on what is episode 10. I can't believe I am in the double digits with these episodes already. It feels like I just started this project. And it's really kind of fun because when I starting this podcast was something I was kind of building up to over the course of a year. Um, I started writing about these topics online on Instagram almost daily and was getting a lot of Positive feedback, um, and also interesting discussion, and I got the idea to launch something. Initially, I thought I would be doing a YouTube channel, um, and then I realized I would I wanted to do a podcast. You know, so I don't have to like dress up. <laughs> Even though, let's be real, I usually dress up for you all just because I think it makes the energy better than if I was podcasting in my pajamas. Anyway. So I put this off, put this off, put this off, and it was at the very beginning of October or maybe September 30th or something. When I I just decided to do it. I was like, okay, I have to do this. Just do it. And so I looked at the calendar and I thought, you know, I'm going to do I know I want to do episodes every Friday. This Friday seems like a good launch date. And I announced it and then I was committed and it just happened really quickly once i decided to do it and most importantly once i decided to set aside my fears of you know it not being perfect or that i wasn't you know qualified or any of that bullshit we tell ourselves and i just freaking did it because you know really it was for me <laughs> it was about me wanting to share these conversations i had been having with you know a couple of close friends with my partner with myself, <laughs> mostly myself, let's face it. And I felt that they needed to be shared and you know, I did I I didn't really care if anyone listened. I mean, obviously I wanted people to listen, but that wasn't really my intention going into it. And so it's been so awesome to for people to be listening and <laughs> not just that, but to be resonating. Um I received so much beautiful so many beautiful comments about at last week's episode or two weeks ago episode last week's too obviously but the um the tower episode we'll call it and so that was what episode eight that was you know really long and really personal I got a lot of really good feedback about that um people saying it really resonated with them and helped them and it made me feel good for well that I follow my intuition to share it even though, I'll be honest, I had a huge vulnerability hangover after that one. And I just had to trust that I was doing the right thing on the right path. And um, last week, I've had so many people jump on and grab their free ritual guide, which if you still haven't picked that up, you can do so at um, rebirthofvenus.com or there's a link on my Instagram page at rebirth underscore of Venus. So... That was my free ritual guide that um, basically teaches you how to glow up your whole fucking life using the magic of Venus. (laughs) So my point here is it's been really cool to see, you know, to create things and have them resonate with somebody besides myself. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It feels like a milestone, albeit the first of many, because I will, of course, be continuing these weekly episodes um, every single week in even through the holiday season, into 2019 and beyond. So keep listening. Thank you so much for being here and for forming this little community with me. It really means a lot. So thank you. Um, And if you haven't had the chance to leave a review on iTunes, what better way to celebrate with me than pausing this episode right now and jumping on there and leaving a review? It means so much to, again, Get just see what's working for you all, see what you like hearing, what you're getting from this, and then also to you know for us to all band together and help this information reach more people, which you know, due to internet algorithms, requires views and you know, reviews and all those good things. So, thank you so much for doing that, I really appreciate it. So, starting off today, I feel like I've been talking really fast. I'm really excited. So if I have, I'm going to slow it down. I apologize. It's particularly loud in my neighborhood today. I feel like I say that every week, but today it's like, is the apocalypse outside or is it a giant party? I don't know. I hear children screaming. I hear a dog barking literally nonstop planes. I don't even know what's happening. Um, But kind of going in line with this whole, you know, not waiting for things to be perfect. If I waited for the perfect time to record, it would be late night and I would be exhausted and not feeling this fiery energy to communicate with you. So it's so important to take that messy action, even if it's not perfect, just to make it happen, make your life happen. And that's what I'm doing. So if you hear those crazy noises, it is what it is. This is real life, baby. <laughs> so thank you for your patience. So today is for episode 10. I thought it would be really fun to do a QA and a episode um, for a number of reasons. One, I, Q&A episodes are always my favorites for my favorite podcast that I listen to. Um, I love just like hearing about a bunch of different topics. And also, I've gotten some awesome questions, and I wanted to share the answers not just with the people who wrote them to me, but also with everyone else, because I know not there's not just one person wondering. Or maybe it's even a question you didn't think to ask. Who knows? So I really hope you find value in this and enjoy just sort of the buffet of conversation we're going to be having. It's going to be a fun, casual chat. Um and I hope you enjoy. So let's just jump right into it. Um, I split the questions into a few sections just to keep it a little organized. The first section is about Venus, you know, working with the energy of Venus. The second section is about kundalini specifically because I got a a few questions about kundalini yoga, which I've talked about a lot already on this um, podcast. And the third part is about Sort of astrology and lifestyle. So many of the questions fit into many categories, but just wanted to keep it a little organized. So let's dive in. Part one: Venus, working with Venus um, or similar archetypes. So my first question is: You talked, you've talked about resonating with Pluto and Venus at various times in your life. Are there other deities you've had similar relationships with? Great question. Um, the answer is sort of. So my first work ever with what one might call a deity, and which I later um, realized was this type of this archetype that we talk about, was actually working with Lakshmi, who's the Hindu goddess of Um, prosperity, money, creativity and love. So does that sound familiar? That's Venus. (laughs) However, in the Hindu tradition she is much more, um, she's kind of like your go to money deity. And in the West um, with Venus, for example or Aphrodite, the focus is a lot more on love, even though they actually have the same, you know they rule the same things. So I actually was when I first started doing mantra meditation and the meditation I was doing was a Lakshmi meditation. And I mean, you can find these all over. (laughs) And, um, you know, pretty much in mantra meditation, there's a lot of discussion of deities, which might feel a little strange, especially if you come from a different tradition than, you know, Hinduism. But the reality is um, in in this type of meditation which is in an international type of meditation there it really is like if once I the the more I learned the more I realized that Lakshmi was an archetype yes I mean there is a lot of folklore you know there's just like any deity a lot of you know there are certainly people who believe in the deity but there's you know the definition of what a deity is is widely expanded and um Widely expanded into this um, this greater sense of of an archetype that's a facet of sort of the collective unconscious. And in my academic studies of Hinduism, um, I I took quite a few religious studies classes in college, and I've also you know studied it since in my spiritual studies. Um, I, my personal belief and interpretation and feel free to, you know, feel free to educate me if you have a different information based on your own upbringing or anything like that. Um, I, I personally feel that a lot of Eastern religion, it has a lot, has a much more open view of what divinity means. And I'll get into this a little bit when I talk about Kundalini later, but there is you know, we in the East there's this idea that like these are polytheistic religions. Like Hinduism is a polytheistic religion. But the reality is, all of these deities are actually seen as really facets of the divine that of which a spark exists in all of us. And in my studies of yogic philosophy, which predates Hinduism by far, um, and where Kundalini comes from, there is the divine is really always something inside of you and so that was something I I kind of learned about and educated myself about when I felt like is it weird that I'm chanting to Lakshmi <laughs> so what was interesting though is that that led me down a path of learning about this sort of like bigger view of divinity and that was really interesting and helpful to me so I didn't really work with her per se I mean I did I, I did I did I sort of did but it really introduced me to this Archetype of the this this archetype of a feminine force that brought you abundance in all forms, which much later led me to Venus. Um, So hopefully that's not super confusing, but that's my honest answer. (laughs) I also have worked with Jupiter um, again in my work with um, abundance and prosperity workings. But honestly, I actually really, and I had a relationship with Jupiter, but I always came back to Venus because she was really the part of my own energy I had to cultivate. Now, Jupiter is the, the deity of, you know, in the Greco-Roman tradition of, of abundance. Like he's like your money guy. The difference between Jupiter and Venus, Venus is good for abundance workings where you're kind of, you know, your creativity has to play into it or your popularity needs to play into it. So she's going to be your go to if you're like an artist looking to sell your work or in a creative field at all or if you're like an online influencer, something like that. Whereas Jupiter is more just like expansion of everything, including your money um personally i end up resonating with venus a lot more and so so yeah the answer is yes but in those very specific circumstances and that actually really um leads into this next question beautifully which is you talked a little bit about finding venus in the first episode any guidance on how to find personal divine archetypes to work with so that really feeds in beautifully um, I, because here I was, you know, I'm a pagan. And so I was working with these, you know, deities or archetypes in that tradition. And I, you know, had my goals. And so I thought I should work with Jupiter because at the time my goals were financial period. And I just didn't really resonate with Jupiter and I kept being drawn to Venus. And in following my intuition, I realized I was right. And so the first thing, if you if you are interested in cultivating a relationship with one of these archetypes slash deities, uh, the first thing to do is ask. Ask you know, open yourself up. Say, uh you can say it out loud. You can say, you know, universe, I want I want to work with uh archetypal deity, um, show me a sign of who it should be. And many people have really funny stories about it being just painfully obvious. Um, and maybe start receiving signs and you don't know who it's pointing you towards because maybe this is very new to you. And that's when you want to start the research because here's the thing. Again, this is going to help you hone your intuition on the subject, So say you start receiving, say you start seeing green and copper everywhere. Now, you don't know that those are colors of Venus because we think of Venus, we think of like red and pink, which actually isn't her traditional sort of color correspondences. You might start seeing that everywhere and like seeing like copper pennies on the ground everywhere. And you could research those symbols and figure out who it is because it might be something you're not familiar with or uh, energy you're not familiar with. And you will know what feels right. And you can have start start that conversation. And this really comes from starting a conversation with the divine, which you can do at any point. You don't have to have like a reason. So you can follow the same logic with like you know, asking for signs. But in asking for signs, like that needs to back up your own intuition because your intuition is the ultimate sign. Everything else is just backup. A lot of people are like, I need a sign. Like, what do I do? And it's like, well, actually, you need to ask yourself what to do, because in a sense, signs kind of show that you don't like trust your own guidance. That's not to say you shouldn't pay attention to them. But for me, I view signs as like a sign, <laughs> as a signal <laughs> uh, that I'm on the right path, um, not of like, should I do this or not? So. Yeah, so ask, research, see what resonates. Um, also, look to your own heritage and traditions for it to resonate more. Um, like I talked about previously, I mean, I, I personally, because this is a matter of spirituality, um, the problem is that it's really difficult sometimes to differentiate between where spirituality and culture begins and ends. And so when you're drawing from other traditions, I'm not going to say like never do that because the reality is a lot of people who are masters of their own traditions are deliberately spreading this to outsiders. So, I mean, who are we to be like, oh, I can't take like this gift you're giving me. The difference is, of course, you can do so respectfully and by educating yourself and in a way that's like, Totally half-assed and appropriative. So if, for example, you do have a deity from another tradition that you're not familiar with or that isn't culturally close to you come to you, you know, you can do your due dil- do do your due diligence. <laughs> that was hard. And make sure that you are connecting in the most appropriate way. And not just like you know, posting it all over Instagram in a way that's like very two-dimensional. Not to say you can't be public with your practice, but if in doubt, you can always discuss this with the people who are closer to the tradition. But the reality is, these are archetypes. And so, like I said, every culture has a version of these same deities. And so I personally think it resonates more if you can draw from your own heritage because I believe in like ancestral DNA and I think it's like part of you already that being said there are also things of like past lives in my opinion and so this isn't to rule out seeking outside of you but just be aware that if you are doing so to do so cautiously and to be appropriate with your your use so that it's really a true relationship not not a use not a misuse you know They'll just, like, stick a statue of, you know, Ganesh in your living room without having, like, any idea what that means. You know, it's not a decoration. It means something. So hopefully that's helpful. I could obviously go in much deeper into that whole topic of, like, appropriation. That's clearly a future episode. But um, I'm not going to go into that now because we have a lot of questions. Hopefully that helps. Okay. Um... Next question. I feel bad doing things that are only for pleasure. Like I'm not being productive. Help. Okay. I love this. I can relate to this so hard because that's been a big learning point for me as a earth sign. I'm a Capricorn. I'm, you know, I'm like really attached to the earth and grounded. And I definitely have a hedonistic streak because I have a stellium in Sagittarius in my chart. Um, I have a big hedonistic streak for sure. And also earth signs are like hella hedonistic just in funny ways. Just like we have to like work our asses off for 30 days before like having a two-week bender, you know? (laughs) So um, so I get this. Like I get, 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 get this. I really do. So um, my suggestions. Well, first of all, You need to, like, reframe your perspective for real, real. (laughs) Let me tell you what I mean. So, basically, maybe productivity. First of all, if you're this type of person, maybe productivity is your pleasure. So, it's actually possible to be, you know, always focused on productivity from a point of pleasure and alignment. Okay, so look at, you know, okay, there are a lot of you know sort of business personalities on the internet and up until recently the dominant kind of personality coming through was this like hustler mentality like hustle 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 and like the person who comes to mind most is Gary Vaynerchuk who is just like he's written a bunch of books he's really widely regarded as like a really really intelligent voice on marketing on connection with your audience And he's like one of those guys who's just like, go, 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 hustle, hustle harder, hustle harder. But here's the thing. It's totally in alignment with him. Like, he's not the type of person who is going to, like, you know, do a bunch of other things to get into alignment. Working gets him into alignment. You can tell. You can tell he's living his truth. And actually, this example has been used many times by many people for this same idea. So, you know, full disclosure. But. There are different ways to get into alignment. And I've talked a bit in the past about, like, getting into alignment before you, taking, you take action. Um, and the same goes with pleasure. I mean, there are a lot of definitions of what constitutes pleasure. So for me, for example, I am a total, total, total personal development junkie. I mean, I've spent, I don't even know how much time and money on books, courses, like, everything – And really my whole adult life, and especially in the past, like, five or six years. And I'm always reading a book, usually multiple books. I'm always listening to a podcast. I'm always doing something to further my development. And I realized just recently in the past couple months that this is actually a hobby for me. It was when I got clear on this idea that actually there's... Of course I want to improve, but there's nothing like fundamentally wrong with me. You know, I am, I want to improve and get better, but I'm not doing that because I hate who I am now. I realized that personal development is my biggest hobby. It's super fun for me. And that you taking some of these courses, for example, you know, it doesn't have to be like completely groundbreaking information for me. It's fun for me to be exposed to that, to be in that vibe. And You know, so that's my idea of a good time. My idea of a good time is not, like, playing video games for four hours. But here's the thing. It actually is not inherently better than playing video games for four hours. Because the point of both is to bring pleasure. Assuming you're doing both out of true alignment. That's your true desire. Because from pleasure, things are magnetized to you. So... So and that's also been a point where I used to judge people who would, you know, like do that, do that, you know, so play video games for hours or anything I didn't see as productive. But I realized it's actually just because I don't understand, you know, that just was like not fun to me. <laughs> not to say I never like chill out and watch a movie. Obviously, I do. But I mean, it's not really something I do that often at all. And so it's not that it's better. It's just this is my hobby. I'm a nerd, you know. Okay, so that's one piece. Maybe reframe your definition of pleasure. Now, if being quote-unquote productive is not aligning for you, if, it, if you are coming from a place of guilt, then look at your feelings of deservedness. So do you feel like you deserve to just have fun, to just engage in something for pleasure? And this was interesting to me recently because I was – questioning whether to enroll in a um, in a tarot course that my friend Veronica Varlow is has. It's amazing. You have to go sign up if you're interested in tarot at all. It's called Love Witch Tarot School. I'll put a link in. But I had a bunch of other things I wanted to invest in that were like for my personal development that were all going to be equally fun. But I realized this tarot class would just be for me. Like, literally just for fun. I mean, I do read for people, and I'm always looking for new knowledge on that, but it was really just for fun, without this idea that, like, it's making me a better person. And it took me a while to invest in it, even though it's super, super affordable, because I was like, oh, I should do these other things first. And I realized I actually was prioritizing my sense of, like, productive pleasure over just pleasure, pleasure. And that came to, like, a deservedness thing. So... Once I realized that, obviously, I dropped my bullshit. I signed up, loving it. Um, but that's something to keep in mind too. You might not feel like you deserve it. Um, and then finally, well, okay, really quickly back to deservedness. I when I get when I get stuck about this, I look at my cats. Okay, and any any pets, but I have cats. You know, they lounge in the sun, they get fed, they come over for you to pet them. Like they don't think about whether or not they deserve the attention or deserve the food you're giving them because they don't have a job. (laughs) How cute would that be? Like little cats with jobs. (laughs) Okay, now I'm getting weird. They just, they know they deserve because they're alive. And I mean, we are no different. You deserve pleasure because you are alive. You're on this earthly plane. If you believe in in all alternate realities, parallel realities, past lives, I believe in all those things, then, like, we're on this plane for a reason to enjoy the fuck out of some, you know, physical pleasures. <laughs> so get on it, people, you know? That's why I think that, like, ascetic spirituality is, like, I'm not saying it's completely off the mark because it has a purpose but like as a life path i just don't think that's the point but yeah so you deserve it because you're alive and last feeling good actually allows you to be more productive when you are in alignment and you then go into something you quote unquote have to do i guarantee you get it done faster i guarantee you get more done in less time and this is because time is not linear it's not logical And so if you start trusting that process, like my intuition is saying, don't start this thing right now. Instead of guilting yourself and then like sitting for five hours, not getting anything done, we've all been there. Listen. Listen for when the right, correct time is to start and then start then. And you're going to find, I guarantee it, that you are so, so, so productive. This blows my mind every time. It never gets old. So really like just be aware that you're actually doing you're not doing yourself any favors by having guilt around pleasure um, and it takes a lot of courage and ignoring the naysayers because a lot of people get up in arms and they're like, you can't just do whatever you want to do all the time. And it's like, yeah, you can't. But actually, we have so much more control than we think. We make a lot of egoic excuses. Oh, I just have to do this. It's like, no, you really don't. Like, half of those things you think you have to do, you are placing that pressure on yourself. So I also encourage you to question that. Okay, so next section. Um, got to monitor my time because, you know, I could go on forever. Okay, we're pretty good. Next section, I got quite a few questions about kundalini. I'm by no means an expert. I'm relatively new to the practice, but it's completely changed my life. Um, and so I am talk about it a lot, and I'm excited that people are interested. Um, so... Question one, I read on Wikipedia that Kundalini is dangerous. Is this true? Um, (laughs) So I'll uh, do my real answer first and then my smart ass answer. (laughs) This is a close friend of mine. So we both got a little laugh about my smart ass answer. So um, this is a little tricky of a question to answer because, well, I'll get into my answer. So it is true that energies raised now kundalini yoga real quick if you're not familiar is a type of yoga and it's considered by many to be sort of the original yoga so it's extremely extremely old practice and in fact um many cultures have a practice of raising energy in this way um it originated in india and it's pre you know pre-Hinduism, pre, even like pre-Sanskrit. Like <laughs> many of the words we use in our mantras are like dead languages. Um, it's So it's a type of yoga that is really like a highly spiritual yoga practice. Um, our perception of yoga in the West, we think of the asanas. So we think of like the poses and like being really flexible and bendy. Now, actually, the real meaning of yoga is med- It's meditation. So the poses are actually to stretch your bodies to prepare it for extended seated meditation. So if you're used to like a really hardcore, you know, vinyasa or ashtanga class that's like very physical and you go to a kundalini class or you like look on YouTube to see what what kundalini yoga is, it can be a little unnerving at first because a lot of it's seated, although not all of it. Um, There are a lot of repetitive movements that don't look like you know, downward dog, although definitely plenty of those more familiar yoga poses um, do play into kundalini yoga. And there's a lot of chanting and people often wear all white turbans like there's a lot. It can feel really out there to a lot of people. Basically, the basis of kundalini yoga is that you're using your body to um, create very very specific prescriptions essentially of sacred geometry that alter your energy grid and your in the in the radiance of your aura and in doing so you um can directly fix physical health issues as well as um as well as you know, sort of more manifest, manifestation-based issues. So there are kriyas, which are sets of poses done to be done in a very specific way, down to the amount of time you do each each asana, um, what you chant. They're very, very specific, and they serve as prescriptions for various things. And it's extremely powerful, extremely powerful. And the basis around all of this is that you have this energy at the bottom of your spine the kundalini energy and it's envisioned as being a coiled snake and that energy can be brought up through the chakras and in doing so clearing it out and literally allowing this is going to sound just so out there but allowing energy you're you're generating energy in a very a way you can definitely feel (laughs) I mean it is by far I've studied every form of yoga over the course on and off of the past 15 years. And this by far, like, you raise energy super quickly and super powerfully. And um, that's an extremely, extremely basic description of what it is. Um, But it does, it has, it has extremely noticeable effects on your life. I mean, honestly, I I tell people, like, if you want to change your life, because mine has completely changed since I started practicing and it continues to, then go for it. But like, if you aren't ready to change your life, you will be triggered. And this is why it's a a tricky question to answer about if it's dangerous. So it's true that energies raised can indeed cause psychological and psychic clearing, which can be painful. Here's the thing. All healing modalities do that. And here's the other thing. That energy is stuck inside you. Like, I want to get that shit out personally because I know that is blocking my magnetism towards the things I want. It's keeping things from flowing into my life because I, since I started practicing, I can't even tell you how things have flowed in that were at a standstill before for my entire life. Issues of my entire life. You know, I'm not going to go into the details now but it's super super powerful and so I personally prefer to consciously clear that through a practice like this and it's so effective because you're combining a physical practice which is very physical. Don't let the seated poses you know don't let the seated poses trick you like I've I'm much stronger as a result and I've, my body looks different. It's very physical practice. It just is like, it's also physical for the, the soul, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a soul workout as well as a physical one. Um, anyway, so I prefer to consciously clear that. And yes, if one suddenly experiences a rush of that Kundalini energy, especially rushing into the higher chakras, Because it does work with the chakra system as well. Um, That can be really overwhelming. Because our higher chakras stay closed for the most part. And so I actually was introduced to kundalini. I had a spontaneous kundalini awakening in 2016. I didn't know what that was at the time. Until I spoke with my former sister-in-law. Who was a kundalini yoga instructor. And she explained like oh you had a kundalini awakening. And most people who experience that are very overwhelmed. And what it felt like to me was that my crown chakra had opened and I literally felt a tunnel of light and very high voltage energy, voltage, coming from the, from source straight through my body and back again. And it was amazing for me, like an orgasmic energy. And it really kind of altered the trajectory of my life in some ways I didn't see until much later. But some people who experience that think they're having a heart attack, think they're dying. Um, Those are extreme examples. The vast majority of people I know who practice have not experienced that. But the reality is, yes, things can get cleared. Yes, it can feel shitty. You just have to know it's part of the work. Keep going. Keep going. And um, yeah, so I wouldn't say it's dangerous, but it, it can be overwhelming. So if you start practicing and you experience some like weird symptoms, like you feel really moody, you feel like just terrible you have physical symptoms i mean that's happened to me multiple times and you know i found so much support online <laughs> and um you know, do your own research so hopefully that's helpful um my smart ass answer was i'm not sure if wikipedia is the best resource for spiritual information <laughs> uh she left so there you go. And as always, if you have additional questions, since I know I've just scratched the surface on that the best I possibly can, please message me um, and I can direct you, I can help you with any questions I'm able to answer and direct you to some other really great resources that I've found. Um, so that's that. Um, next question, also about Kundalini, is... Can you recommend a guided kundalini practice to get started? What does your practice entail each morning? So um, I'm going to answer the first question first, (laughs) which is, yes, I can recommend how to find a practice for you. So as I mentioned in kundalini yoga, there are these kriyas, which there are tens of thousands of kriyas. They're for absolutely everything, any physical symptom for the chakras for life changes, and they're these set of poses that are followed usually for 40 days initially to break the pattern basically in your energetic grid, and they work. Like They work for physical things and for spiritual, psychological things. They work, and this was how I actually got started because even though I had been exposed in the ways I mentioned, I had not practiced officially ever. And it was, I started, um, it was when I started with one of these Kriyas I had learned about called the Subha Kriya. And I'll put a link in the, um, show notes. And the Subha Kriya is basically to unleash the wealth of the universe. And Yogi Bhajan, who was the yogi who brought Kundalini Yoga to the West from India, in the 60s um, quick side note really really interesting story because kundalini yoga was actually until the 60s something that was secretly taught and spread amongst nobility in india and it was thought that the common people could not handle the responsibility of this path this path that was not a traditional yogic path in the sense that you were expected to abstain from sex from like you know tasty foods and all kinds of things but it was actually part of the householder's path which is it, it was the yoga of the every man which was ironic because it was then because it was so powerful it was um passed along and kept as secret knowledge amongst nobility and amongst the elite and this man yogi bhajan he was like that's fucking bullshit everybody deserves this technology Um, to improve their lives and he knew that like he couldn't continue in India to like try to push that agenda because it was forbidden and so he saw what was happening in the United States in the 60s and was like I think they'd be into this (laughs) so it's actually interesting he kind of like saw an opportunity and and spread it and this wasn't like a cult this isn't you know like a wild, wild country situation. This is a yogic tradition. You know, he's seen as a guru. He's not like, yeah, there's no cult around it. (laughs) Important to mention. But anyway, back to the Sobha Kriya. Yogi Bhajan said, I'm not going to quote it exactly, but he basically said, even if God himself, like has destined you for a life of misfortune, doing the Sobha Kriya will reverse the tides of fortune. So basically, like even if God was like, you're destined to be to have a shitty life, doing this practice will, mm, like, go against the will of God. Like that's how powerful it is. And even God will be like, all right, um, that's good, you got it, you know. Um, so it was really powerful for me. I, um, I'm still I still practice that kriya, and it was super powerful for me. And it's a 15 minute kriya. There's a short and a long version. I started with a short one, so I did it every day. And still do. And it took 15 minutes. That was it. You could do it any time of day. That was how I started. So if this interests you, I encourage you to do some Googling. Um, You can literally just look up like Kriya for blah, blah and see if something comes up. But this is where it's important. See if it really resonates with you. If you're like, this feels like my Kriya to start with. Because you don't always realize what you need, especially when it comes to the Kriyas that work with the chakras. Because it's you might be like, ah, that just seems like an energy thing, but clearing energy out of the chakras has very real effects in your life, and Kundalini is designed to work quickly because it, you know, the idea is like we don't have that much time on this earth to make change, so we don't have time to be like sitting around meditating forever. I mean, a lot of people practice for a long time, you have a long meditation practice, but it's like. It works quickly in your life. And there's also this idea that like if you are, for example, abundant in all in every form, you can better serve humanity. So there's no like shame around like meditating your way to money, which is basically kind of what the Soba Kriya is, even though it works on many levels, not just cash money. So I encourage you to be open minded and like you can look you can get instructions for these Kriyas online and... See what resonates with you and just start with one. Start with a 40-day practice. Like I said, they can be completed in as little as 11 minutes. They can also be very long. So, like, check the times of each move. Make sure you have time for that shit. And for me, I just saw such incredible, such incredible effects in my life in the first 15 days, honestly. Incredible. I mean, this was about abundance. I... Received a promotion despite the fact that I wasn't eligible for it. I received a pay raise. I received. I had a loan forgiven. I had people random people give me gifts. Like it was completely insane. That was just the start. And so over time, I went deeper into my practice, and um, it built. It built organically. The more effects I saw, the more research I did about how I could go deeper into the practice. I practice at home. I at this point in time i don't practice in a class or anything like that um it's encouraged to only because of the community factor but you it's definitely a yoga you can teach yourself this isn't like like says this is the this is the householder's yoga so now (laughs) that has evolved to, to me doing things i literally thought i would never do including even said i would never do when i started kundalini i said i'll never be one of those Kundalini yogis who wakes up at the ambrosial hour, which is from four to six a.m., to practice satana, which is like your practice, your extended practice, and like wears all white. And now I wake up at four fifty every morning. I do a practice ranging from an hour, one to two hours, including my kriyas, other um, yoga. Like I, I do, basically I wake up at four fifty. I do my regular daily offerings. Um, on my altar I drink some water (laughs) Um, it's actually very easy for me to wake up now at that point although sometimes I do go back to sleep later if I can if I'm really tired I did that today Um, and then I sit down on my mat I do my tune in mantras which you will learn about if you um, research any of the kriyas I do some warm ups Um, just some like a yoga flow pretty much whatever my body needs and then I go into my kriyas which take about 45 minutes and then I do a little savasana I do seated meditation and then I do some reading um introspective reading I, I journal any downloads that come through ideas a lot of my ideas for podcasts for instagram posts things I write come through that way and i hope and i and i wear all white when i do it <laughs> which is kind of crazy as a former goth who is also a slob kind of or you know clumsy i guess you could say and i have like as much white clothing in my closet now as black which blows my mind so people wear white sometimes cuz it's thought to expand the aura There are a lot of like little practices like that. You don't need to do any of them. You can just start where you are, whatever time you can do it. Start small, expand if you want. There's no, you're under no obligation to, there are no rules. There are just these other practices that are thought to deepen your practice. The whole reasoning behind the ambrosial hour thing, the 4 to 6 a.m., which is the two hours before sunrise, depending on where you live. Is that at that time, the sun is at an infrared um, light frequency, which apparently... Okay, and like, don't quote me on this. I'm not a freaking scientist. Um, But it syncs up with your brainwaves in meditation. And so you can more easily fall into a meditative state. Also, the world is a lot quieter then. I like to get it all done before my boyfriend wakes up. um, And... It's like an amazing time for myself and I've benefited so much from that. So um, really just start where you can. Like you don't have to start crazy like that. In fact, I encourage you not to. Just start where you are, find a Kriya that you resonates with you, do it for 40 days. You can go, you can then do 90, 120. <laughs> I'm doing 120 with Soba Kriya. And you can continue if you want, but just start there if it's something that interests you. Um So that is that. Okay, moving on to our last section, which I'm going to speed it up a little bit because we're at 47 minutes. I'm trying to be mindful of the length of some of these episodes, Um, but you know me, I like to talk. Gemini Ascendant, love to give information. So hopefully this is beneficial to you, valuable to you. So last section, astrology and lifestyle. Let's dive into it. So first, a little astrology question. Um, so, sorry, I'm, like, trying to be cool here, but I'm actually, like, literally looking for my notes, because I did make notes, because I, um, have a lot of questions, and I was like, I need to at least have a general idea of what someone asked. Okay, so, um, I'm a Sagittarius and full of fire, which I hadn't ever thought about until... You mentioned it in a previous episode. I would love to know how to use this energy more effectively. Awesome, awesome question. So I would have to run a full birth chart to tell you that, which is something I offer. Um, if anyone is interested in that, um, it's I do sort of like getting to know yourself style birth charts to like give you better insight on who you are. Um, if that interests you, feel free to message me. Send me an email through my website or um, a message on Instagram. We can talk about the details of that. Um, but for starters, if your son is in Sagittarius, so Sagittarius is a fire sign, as we mentioned, your son deals with the face you project to the world. So sometimes misused energy comes from rejecting that physical projection. Um, of your son's element so think about this way you say you're fiery but I want to know if you show that side of yourself to the world or if that's something that like is in you keep in private um if not you're banishing this part of yourself which is a huge part of your personality it's your son it's what wants to shine you're banishing this to the shadow And I say this from experience, you know, I'm a Capricorn and I really never identified with my sun sign, despite the fact that I have quite a few planets in Capricorn. Um, And so I really rejected a huge part of my personality, which took years for me to really unveil. And I really stifle my potential because of that. So yeah, so ask yourself, you know, how can you be more fiery in what you project? So you know, even just like your appearance, your image. You can be fiery. It doesn't mean you're gonna be like running around yelling at people. That's not productive, obviously. But think about how you can, you know, harness this in aesthetic ways, and that will let you, that will let your unconscious and your subconscious know it's safe to coax that out a little more. And sometimes that can actually help you be more effective in your use of this energy. And also, I want you to think about your solar plexus which is um your which is your one of your chakras your uh, third chakra (laughs) i'd like count up and it's in your solar plexus which is the area like a few inches above your belly button and that chakra it it is ruled by fire and it controls self-esteem follow-through willpower etc and these are like the up The upsides of of that fire energy. So if any of those are compromised in you. Which I'm sure they are. Because if you feel like you're not handling your fire energy effectively. It's a dead ring. A dead giveaway for me. That one of those areas is stifled. If not more. You need to work on strengthening that area. And you can like do your own research. You know. Solar plexus opening meditation. But. I have one in particular I I suggest. It is... I'll link it in the the show notes. It is a Kundalini Kriya. Also, it's called the Abdominal Strengthening Kriya. So it's like not very glamorous name. There's like no... No, you know... It's like just in English. (laughs) And it really is going to feel more like a workout. (laughs) It's like a serious core workout. But in Kundalini, you actually... All of your energy comes from the solar plexus. It comes from the navel. And... Um, the Kundalini does live at the base of the spine, but sort of your divine spark is in the, in this area in the navel. And if you're feeling like you're lacking in one of those areas that I mentioned, follow through willpower, passion, fire, um, you can benefit from strengthening that part of your body physically. Um, I've had huge, amazing results from that. You can, you can, you can tr- give that a try. You can try it for 40 days. You can try it once in a while. Um, but that's something I suggest as well. That will really, really help balance your fire energies and allow you to channel them in a productive way. And also look into Ayurveda. Um, pitta, the pitta dosha is the fiery dosha. I don't know what your dosha is um, off the top of my head, just based on your question. But Um, You can do some research into that idea. I recommend Sahara Rose is a really fantastic resource on Ayurveda. She's young, contemporary. She has a very updated knowledge of Ayurveda that is sort of takes the ancient knowledge and makes it applicable to the modern world. Um, I'll link. She's like a what's your dosha quiz just to get you started. But she'll follow you up with a lot of information. I'll put that in the show notes as well. And learning about, yeah, how to spot if your doshas are out of balance in Ayurveda and how to correct them. Um, It sounds really out there, but it's actually like really, really, really um, practical, actionable ways you can use this knowledge. You can balance these energies in your body. It's super doable. um, And that's something you might want to look into as well to balance that fire energy. Next, kind of going into lifestyle. Um, so the first question is, how can I protect my energy? You mentioned that sometimes one is not aware of what they attract. You mentioned about certain energies just gravitating towards others. I'm thinking about protection spells from energy as someone who works in a, per- in a healing profession. Um, okay, great question, and I am going to talk about protection magic at length in an episode in a couple weeks, so I'm going to go be a little general here, but this is going to be a great warm-up for the information I'm going to share in that episode. So if, okay, so this, um, listener also mentioned that they are, their kindness is often mistaken for naivete at their job and that they sort of felt like they are being taken advantage of. So anytime I'm looking at, anytime you're looking at something in your life that is not working the way you want it to, you're not getting treated the way you want, I urge you to ask the question, how are you benefiting? Because here's the thing, the way the brain works you you're you're always benefiting from something you're from a dynamic you're engaged in i understand that can be triggering to some people this is in no way saying you are to blame for anything that's happening to you i've talked about this in length at previous episodes i will continue to talk about it at length in every episode probably but it's important to take responsibility for your side of the street because it's all you have control over you can't control others ever. You can, you can control your reactions and you can control your responses and what you do. So first, you need to see how you're benefiting from this treatment of you. You have to get clear on this. And if you get really clear on this, then the later protective measures will be much more effective. Because with any magical working or anything you're trying to manifest, if you're not clear on how this is benefiting you, your shadow self because of course consciously you don't want this if you're not clear on that then any other workings are not going to be effective you're not, you're going to continue not getting what you want because you're not identifying this really neat this true need and finding another way to, to serve it and so you're going to sabotage your efforts so you have to go really deep so You know, if you're thinking about like, oh, it's teaching me this lesson, like, no, this is not the time to be all like, you know, silver lining and be like, well, this is teaching me a lesson, so I'm benefiting. No, this is a time to get dive deep into your shadow to the part of you that gets a little revolted when you think about the fact that you might slightly like this treatment. So, you know, thinking positively in this way is actually spiritual bypass. Because you have to get really clear on like the nasty reasons. (laughs) I say nasty because literally for me, when I do shadow work like this, it feels nasty. That's how I know I'm getting to the shadow because I'm like, that's nasty. Why would I want that? And then I realize I do because usually it's the complete opposite of what your conscious mind wants, like the polar opposite. It's really hard to wrap your brain around. So no spiritual bypass here. Um... In a situation like yours, I can't tell you what you're getting out of this. But often when it comes to things like being taken for granted or advantage of, things like that, possible benefits would be, you know, it allows you to be a martyr, maybe. Boundary issues in general allow you to be a martyr. Like, oh, they just treat me so badly. And here's the thing. Like I personally know the person who asked this question and you would not, I would not see that. I don't see that in you, which makes me think maybe it is a shadow thing. Again, the shadows usually really wants the opposite thing as your conscious mind. (laughs) It's really crazy. So maybe it allows you to be a martyr. Maybe it allows you to feel superior or to keep your victim mindset if you have one. I mean, a victim mindset has a lot of benefits. Um, in and of itself, it allows you to place to stay small. It allows you to not have to be honest about what your what your needs truly are because you're busy serving the needs of others, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Maybe it's a way of punishing yourself for some flaw you feel you have. Go to where it feels icky. Get clear on how you're benefiting because once you do, you can look at why, well, first of all, what, what you appear to need and also how you can maybe get that somewhere else in a more productive way. Like, oh, I just need to feel, like, appreciated and so I'm doing this martyr thing so that I can, like, because I'm not giving myself the appreciation I deserve. I, does that make sense? Just an example. I don't know. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm going to go in a future episode in a couple weeks into really at length like how to protect your magic so to speak um with some really good actionable ways to do that but for now get clear on how you're benefiting and then accept that so that's how you integrate the shadow you have to stop disapproving of that and say you know what yeah like this is exactly what i want and this is what carolyn elliott refers to as doing existential kink <laughs> in her course influence and in her work in general and basically it's this idea that you like get to the point where not only you do you approve of that shadow desire but you actually get off on it it doesn't have to be sexually getting off on it <laughs> it's like more of like a tongue-in-cheek way of looking at it but yeah that's uh that's how you integrate it And it's not in the shadow anymore because you're accepting that piece of yourself so This might not be the answer you're looking for, but it's really where you have to start. And then any protective measures are going to be so much more effective. Okay, couple quick last questions um, about more lifestyle, fun, casual things. Um, And then we are going to close this down. What are you excited about? Oh, I love that. Um, uh, I talked about Love Witch Tarot School, really loving it. Veronica has an amazing way of teaching magic in general i've learned a lot from her over the years and tarot particularly she called it like sesame street for tarot <laughs> and she teaches the way her grandmother taught her which is all about stories makes it really really easy to get greater insight on the cards and if you're a beginner i imagine this would be like such an easy way to learn you know, instead of like i have to memorize all these cards so it really help you read intuitively i'll put the link below super recommended. Um. I actually, I I recently joined a few mentorship programs that are have been just really great, really enjoying. Um, and they've been really beautiful support to my work I'm doing here, and also my work with my you know, spirituality practice. Um, that I talked about earlier. Um, uh, there's another great podcast called Elevate the Globe, and they actually have a great episode about Kundalini. They both are Kundalini teachers, although the podcast is about a lot of things. Um, I was really pleasantly surprised once I really listened to them, because I'll be honest, I had the perception that their show was going to be like very like L.A. wellness, like spirituality in a way that like, uh oh, I don't know. I, I think I just I had a I had a judgment around it because like that's totally their vibe. Like, carefree LA, like vegan. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm feeling kind of awkward here because it's, I'm like showing how I've judged a stranger. But it's like, I just, I felt like I wouldn't be able to relate to that. I don't know why. And I really listened to them, and they are actually so intelligent. They have such amazing, amazing insight. Um, lots of great discussions about Kundalini, and actually a really, really down-to-earth tolerant way like in they really promote this lifestyle to really like they said elevate the globe but in a way that's like really welcoming and they have a group um, like a monthly membership site called 528 Academy that I joined and I love Um, we do new and full moon kundalini classes full-length classes which right there is a huge resource we have a book club which has been really fun um because i'm a voracious reader and it's fun to like get new recommendations and share them with the community chatting about it Um, recipes all these things that kind of go each month with the moon cycles um and that's really been cool and i also last month A mentor of mine, Kitty Kitty Cavalier, she opened up her membership site. It's closed now, but she's still somebody you should go follow. Um, But I've also really been enjoying the group coaching as part of her membership program as well. And if you don't know what a membership program is, a lot of people are starting these. They're pretty. um, It's kind of like it's a really good way, relatively affordable way to get some level of coaching and community around certain interests and most of them have some kind of a platform to interact with the community Facebook or something else Um, usually some kind of like a group coaching call some of which are pretty intimate actually so that's a really amazing value right there and then other things like master classes things that are like basically exclusive content that can be you can dive a lot deeper and it's a great way to work with somebody if you can't necessarily afford like private coaching or you can't yet or you're not sure yet um so anyway it's just been really fun to expand my growth in those areas so that's what I'm excited about right now what am I reading um and how to read more that was a little quickie Instagram um question I am currently reading opening to channel which is like a classic book about channeling or it's a channeled text on channeling Um, The Big Leap. Actually, spoiler alert, I just finished that like an hour ago. Really interesting book about the upper limit theory. Basically, this idea that we all have an upper limit of how good things can be. And once we reach that, we basically like fuck it up. (laughs) But it talks about like why we do that and how to, you know, stop doing that. Um, And really that's really a good pretty quick read i will say it's a little redundant at a certain point but like the first half of the book and then some things later it's still totally worth a read and then i'm also reading it's better than it looks by greg easterbrook and that was actually one that was my little book club um edition i started that today it's basically about it's like basically i think the cover has like a a globe and half of it is on fire and the other half looks normal. And it's basically like about how things aren't as bad as they are, as we're being led to believe in the media. And it's been pretty interesting so far. Um I also have a huge pile of books waiting for me when I go to the US um in a week and a half. I took advantage of the Hay House 50% off Black Friday sale and I bought a bunch of books and then I took advantage of some other special offers. And um, it's hard to find books in English here. I live in Mexico. Um, there isn't a huge selection in the city, although I do find them for sure. Um, but there's not like, you know, a Barnes & Noble. <laughs> They've, they have their own version, but they're mostly in Spanish. Um, and I don't shop on Amazon. And so, yeah, I don't, I have to kind of plan my books. So I have a huge pile back in the States. Um, if you're curious what they are, I'll tell you. Because I understand, like I said, I'm a voracious reader and I love to read. I read a lot. I love giving recommendations. So um, I have Waiting for Me Outrageous Openness by Tasha Silver. I actually read that book two years ago and signs have been coming to me to read it again and I don't have a copy anymore. So I have that. Really recommended. Super, super recommended um sacred seduction and club macaron by kitty cavalier who i talked about earlier um those are her books and again sacred seduction i have read in the past but i don't have my copy so i picked that up again and club macaron is her member site membership site like exclusive book full-length book so that i'm excited about I have Get Rich Lucky Bitch by Denise Duffield Thomas, which is like a classic in the sort of like money mindset manifestation combo world, Um, but I have actually never read. You Are a Goddess by Sophie Bashford, which is a new release um, basically about kind of some of the things we talk about in this episode, at least according to the summary or on this show, not this episode, about, you know, embodying divine archetypes, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Everything is here to help you by Matt Kahn, um, and White Hot Truth by Danielle Laporte, and I asked for like ten more books for for gifts, <laughs> so I'm gonna have a huge pile to bring back. That's what I'm reading right now, and the last part of your question, which I'll end with here: How to read more. So, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to circle back. Um, back to all these questions, a lot of the questions I get are about how to make time for things or how to accomplish things. You know, I'm hard on myself, but I'm actually really a pretty productive person. I get a lot done and it's because I make it a priority, you know, and I've talked a lot about a big part of the archetype of Venus to me about being the sacred pleasure of your highest potential. And It's important to recognize the ways I talked about this a lot last episode, ways that you are undercutting yourself, that you're not doing what you want to do, you're making excuses for yourself, not as a way of guilting yourself, but as a way of making sure you get your shit done that you want to do. So um, I've always been a big reader, but I've like really ramped it up in the past year. And really, it's just, you know, finding like You have time, I promise. (laughs) Hell, even if you listen to audiobooks, like, I think that counts, personally. Especially because sometimes you can listen to an audiobook that's, like, a super dense book that you would, like, you just, your eyes would gloss over if you saw those statistics and things. I don't listen to a lot of audiobooks, but when I do, it's something like that. But I guarantee you have pockets of 10, 15 minutes, 5 minutes, here and there. The key is using that time for reading. You can actually read books really quickly that way. So always having a book on you and reaching for that instead of your phone. You know, it sounds so obvious, but I mean, hell, like read on the toilet, (laughs) like a book, you know, I sometimes read when I'm cooking dinner. Like if I'm waiting for something, you know, to boil or whatever or saute, you, you do have time. And you don't have to go from never reading to reading a book a week overnight, but make the time and also be honest about the books that are interesting to you. I mean, I, even though I have that huge book haul I just talked about coming, I really try not to buy a lot of books at once because I want to keep up on my interests and I don't want them to pile up. And I read books very quickly now. So I usually read one or two books a week. And so, you know, a pile like that isn't so daunting, but you you want to avoid having a bunch of guilt books around or books that, like, you feel like you should read because you want to be smart or you, for an external reason, be honest about what you actually want to read. You know, I read almost exclusively nonfiction and that's just me, you know. And I'm honest with myself, like, about certain books, like, I don't think I'm actually going to like this one and just not reading it out of guilt because you want it to be something that you're excited about and you're excited to get to, just like you would be with your favorite show. So that's those are my suggestions for reading more. Um, And supposedly, like, the average millionaire reads like five books a month or something. So, you know, millionaire habits. (laughs) But Yeah make it a priority and you can apply those, that advice I just gave to anything, anything you don't, you feel like you don't have time for. Okay. So this has been another long one. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy the answers to these questions. Um, as always keep the questions coming. I will always answer you, um, not necessarily on a podcast, but privately. Always. And so if you've any questions about anything covered in this episode, please, please, please let me know. Um, like I said, hop on to rebirth of or head over to visit me on Instagram and grab your free ritual guide. I've been hearing a lot of people are loving it. They're loving the combination. Oh, it's free, by the way. Did I just say that? It's free. <laughs> They're loving the combination of magic, personal development. Um the I mean, I've had a lot of people download it who are not even like witchy at all and they're loving some of the mindset shifts that I talk about in there. Um, Yeah, grab it. It's super, super helpful, especially as you're going into 2019 and probably like thinking about resolutions and goals and all that good shit. Um, Harness that energy and get my tricks on how to make it really effective. I have a whole ritual about setting an intention that sticks and that's gonna be super, super helpful for you if you are somebody who likes to set intentions into the new year. So head over to that, head on over to that. Um, as always, reach out with any questions, comments. I love talking to you. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks for still being here. And I hope you have an amazing week and that you, you know, really, that you take some time out for the things that matter to you. That you're honest about what those things are. And that you take the time to do them, even if it's five minutes, because guess what? I said this last week, five minutes, that builds up, that builds, that builds momentum. You would be amazed at the dreams you can accomplish with just five minutes at a time. I'm not kidding. I know because I've done it. There's no excuse. No excuse. I say this with love. I say this with tough love. No excuse for not going after what you want, because I know you can do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. The key is action. The key is starting now. So thank you for listening. Have a great week and I'll talk to you next Friday. Goodbye.